welcome to Masters of Divinity, episode uh, six, five, episode five. It's six. <laughs> it's six. It's six on yeah. the list. We have a two-parter. I don't a know if we should count that as two separate episodes or one episode cut in two parts. Maybe it is. I don't know. We can well, let our fans fight that one out. Okay, sure. Yes. Episode uh, fans, five or six. Right, because we have fans now. We do. We have, we have fans. Fans with strong opinions about Batman v Superman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just oh, our Facebook page. Yeah, which is great. I, I love it. I am your host, JP, and I am here, well, not literally here, but I am recording with uh, Matt Wells. How are you doing, buddy? Good. Doing wonderful. It's great to see you, my friend. I am also here with Father Chuck. Hi. Father Chuck, who was also very vocal about uh, BVS yep. last week. Yep. I wrote three very great articles. Was it three or two? I just did two. Two. Okay. I lost count. I probably did three, <laughs> but I decided not to. I mean, we always say where we're recording. I mean, we're coming from Chuck's living room, but JP. Yeah, we should JP, talk a little bit about the, the shakeup in the status yeah, quo JP, that we've had here. At, let's talk our, about our why it's taking us yeah. two weeks to get a new, a new one up. Since we should. Uh, it took us two weeks because we decided to take a break for our, our Lord Jesus Christ uh, for Easter. Amen. Or because. <laughs> I moved away from Florida. Uh, to uh, the great state of Oklahoma for various reasons, but ultimately I'm hoping to move to Austin. Uh, not to, you know, abandon these guys, but we love this podcast so much and we have so much fun doing it. We want to keep doing it. And since so many great podcasts do, uh, you know, their own recordings over Skype, we thought, hey, why not? We could probably do the same thing. There we go. And here and, we are. And here we are. We're doing it. And uh, so far, so good, if you ask me. Yeah, well, before, cool. before we begin, JP, I have, a, I have a real serious question for you. Okay, go ahead. Is Oklahoma okay? It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. You guys got the joke, right? Like, I'm. Yes, it's from license plates. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I see it sure. every, every day. Every day I see it. Every day. It's not great. It's just okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the topic this week, we actually have a very specific one. I charged our Masters of Divinity to watch a couple of movies, and those movies were Signs and uh, Contact. Signs, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, Contact by the great Robert Zemeckis, and written by Carl Sagan. Hey, uh, uh, question. Go ahead, Chuck. Um, we were assigned to watch these? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Chuck, did you not watch Contact or Science this week? No. No? <laughs> um, it was holy. Oh, okay. And I'm a priest. Do you, do you not watch movies? No, but I had like church services every single oh. day. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, but he had time to see BBS. <laughs> I did. I did time to see the BBS. I made, I made time. And talk about how wonderful it is. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. We we had a we have a point. Let's to the point. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, basically, uh, we're going to be talking about faith and aliens. This, this, the idea sort of came to me as I was watching Signs, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually a really cool idea of of uh, making a movie about aliens, but also sort of uh, you know interweaving." The idea of faith. Uh, you know, the character was uh, a priest, an Episcopalian priest, actually which we found out through the great Wikipedia, uh, played by Mel Gibson, who loses his faith and then finds it after a, a little scuffle with aliens. Uh, and then Contact, uh, which is kind of a different movie altogether. It's not really about um, 
it's not really the same thing, but it's also it's very heavily uh, about faith, and we'll probably get into more of that. And I just thought it would be cool for us to talk about that the the idea of aliens and maybe some other science fiction movies that we've had in mind. We've all seen all kinds of stuff. I'm sure Chuck, you have. Loads to say about movies like Prometheus and Prometheus. One I, I wouldn't mind talking about because this movie I like utterly hated the first time I saw it, right. and then I kind of came around to being okay with it on a second viewing. But the, the whole topic of aliens and faith is something that really fascinates me because I'm a I'm a bit of a junkie for UFO documentaries. As um, am I. Yeah. Right, and you know I had one of my one of my favorite scary like moments of my life was being alone in a farmhouse. Um, where I, um, my mom, I was staying with my mom for a summer in this farmhouse. She lived out in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. And she went out of town on a meeting for like a week. And that was the time that the History Channel decided to just mainline UFO documentaries. And it was like the creepiest time of my life because like every time I had to let the dog out, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is when fire in the sky happens. Like this is when I'm <laughs> going to be abducted. Um, Great movie. Yeah, it's, it's just, so yeah, so I, I I love alien like I love aliens. I love the whole like conspiracy theory element of it. Um, I love the idea of what it means that we might not be alone in the universe. Um, you know, and, and there's a great one of the things they've talked about in in like all the documentaries, especially when they get into the conspiracy theory stuff, um, is this idea that aliens existing would somehow disprove religion. And there's this belief that the government keeps them under wraps because they're worried about, like, our knowledge of aliens somehow destroying our faith. But then at the same time, you have, like, you had, like, three popes come out and say that it wouldn't change a thing. So I, I, so that, that to me is a really interesting conversation. And it's cool to me that there are a few movies that touch on that. Right. And that's why I think you would really love Contact, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would really like Contact. You should have watched it. I know. I should have done my homework. I apologize. It's so much better than BVS. <laughs> but the, I, I, the, to me, the interesting thing about, just in theory about Contact, too, is the movie, as you said, written by, written by Carl Sagan. Yes, uh, Contact was indeed written by Carl Sagan. Interesting, uh, kind of little, some behind-the-scenes stuff from the filmmaker over here. It actually started out as a screenplay uh, back in the 70s. Uh, written by Carl Sagan and his wife. It was actually going to be directed by Francis Ford Coppola, but I guess he couldn't get the funding, and then it was actually passed on to George Miller. Ooh. Yeah, director of uh, Mad Max movies. And, and Babe. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Happy Feet. I guess, I think it was all just kind of budget stuff, and no one really knew how to sell it or market it, and they decided to uh, just write a book. And the book existed, existed in uh, publication for, uh, I think, like 20 years before uh, the great... Robert Zemeckis got a hold of it. The guy that directed Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, Castaway, and he directed it and kind of brought his own little take to it as well. Uh, but Matt, you you watched these movies, Signs and Contact. Um, let's since we're both kind of, I think all three of us are actually pretty familiar with Signs. I'm sure we've seen, we've all seen the movie more than enough times. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about Signs. You guys okay with that? Yeah, sure thing. I I think last time we did this, um, did did I start and it was Matt to talk? It or? doesn't really matter. Just go for it. Well, I mean, okay. You always give me oh. something to talk about, so just start it off. Don't worry about who's. First. Are we losing you again? No, 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 no. I'm listening. I, I can I can hear everything. I'm fine. Everything is good. 
Okay. Um, Chuck, why don't you give me um, just some broad thoughts on signs? Broad thoughts on signs. Okay. Um, you know, this is a movie. I watched the first. Well, I mean, the the the, the, the every time I've watched it is actually before I was an Episcopalian. So I'm I'm really interested in in watching it again. I need to do that. Um, since I've become an Episcopal priest, um, just to see if there's stuff about the character that I that I could relate to. But um, the one thing about the movie is, it, I know that faith is an element in it. Um, and if I can just get a little like criticism-y about the movie, um, I feel like it doesn't necessarily bridge the gap between like how aliens are directly influencing Mel Gibson's character's walk of faith and or his lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And, like, what, what that does to bring his faith back. Like, I felt that was kind of a weak thing. I felt that every time I've watched it before. Um, but the idea of a person of faith kind of being in the center of this story um, is an interesting idea. And this guy who just utterly hates God because God because he believes God took his wife from him. Right. And then <laughs> somehow this idea of you know, otherworldly beings is kind of becoming a connection for that for him. And this skepticism behind it being any kind of benevolent thing. Cause there's that great scene in the movie between Joaquin Phoenix and him, um, which Joaquin is his brother-in-law, right? Um, yeah, it's his, his brother-in-law. Yeah. And, um, and they're having that, they're having a conversation while watching the, the, the story unfold on the news. Right. And Joaquin gives this great line about how like, this is like this sign of like, you know, to him, he sees the sign as a, as a good thing as a great thing, um, you know, that there's, you know, the possibility of, you know, good things coming from it or whatever. And then um, Mel Gibson, of course, just lays into him with this just like just completely angry, very difficult to listen to screed against the idea of God and anything being out there beyond us and being anything being better. Um, Talks about the synapses in his wife's brain going off. That's why she said swing away. Yeah, yeah. That it was just, yeah, it's just, it was just this like, completely material moment that there was no supernatural anything happening there. And yeah, I mean, I think about that and I, and I, and the other thing about the movie, just, I watched it once with um, one of our really good friends, Keelan, who he had to do a paper on, on it. And so we watched it together in college. And one of the things that always strikes me, the thing I think about weirdly in that movie, the one, the one visual that sticks in my head, other than the super creepy visual of the alien walking in front of the camera at the kid's birthday party in Brazil, which is like great scene. Uh, it freaks me out. Um, <laughs> but is how throughout the movie, just outside of Mel Gibson's characters, um, just outside of his bedroom door on the wall, you can see sort of the outline of a crucifix that used to hang on his wall. Right. And that's just yeah. like there throughout the whole movie. And that idea of like the absence of that cross. Well, first, it's still there because even though it's not hanging there, the outline is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the permanence of that, which um, – Thinking from a like baptismal standpoint, like in 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 our in the Episcopal Church's theology and liturgy, um, after someone is baptized, we make a sign of the cross on somebody's head with oil. It's called chrismation. It's when you chrismate someone, um, and we always say that that cross never leaves you. Um, and so, like that that idea that the cross never goes away, even if you somehow manage to wash it off or take it down, it's still there. Um, but also the fact that its absence speaks more than its presence. Um, is a very interesting thing. And coming to it from a theological standpoint, um, I think of uh, a whole discipline of theology known as apophatic theology, which is where we talk about God and understand God by talking about what God is not. Um, and so that, that idea of the, the, the sign of the cross um, speaking a lot over this movie through its absence rather than its presence is kind of a, is, is an interesting thing. It's never actually left. Right. Yeah. 
Hawks. Right. Like, it's still, like, yeah, and, like, and then and to me that relates to that great scene where he goes into a drugstore. Like, they go in to go buy supplies, and he goes into this drugstore. And the girl working behind the counter who's, like, kind of freaking out over the alien whole thing decides to start confessing to him as though he's still an active minister. And he's like, I don't, I don't do that anymore, but she's just still confessing. And she's confessing, like, all this teenager stuff to him. And, like, he's just so annoyed by the thing. But it, it reminds me of, like, this idea that, like, ordination um, – is something that still lasts, even though you don't believe in it. Like the, the mark of ordination still remains. And so right. like that same kind of idea, like even though you can wash it off, even though you can take it down, he can take the collar off. He cannot wear the clerical attire. He can never step foot in a church again. He never stops being the person that God called him to be. Right. Um, and that, that part of the movie, I really, really like. That's a great part of the movie because it's really the kind of the only time the family goes out and you kind of see how each of the characters revealed individually. Yeah. Who they are. And uh, how different people are reacting to what's going on. Uh, a little bit of trivia, Chuck. Um, the part where Joaquin Phoenix's character is in the army recruiting office. Yeah. And one of the, uh, I guess, one of the Pritchard boys or whatever that, 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 that they thought were pranking them was actually there and talking crap about Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That's Michael Showalter. Oh, yeah. Huh. And Stella. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, little bit part. <laughs> Um, what about you, Matt? Um, what'd you think about signs? No, I really liked it too. I, um, I really like the, uh, the conversation right before what Chuck's talking about, where they, they talk about the breakdown of faith, where, um, Mel Gibson's sitting there with Joaquin Phoenix's character and he, Joaquin Phoenix is kind of losing it. And he right. tells him, he's like, can you just be the guy you used to be? Like, can you encourage me? Can you comfort me? And Mel Gibson launches into the speech about how there's two kinds of people, that when something lucky happens, there's a first kind of person that takes it as a sign that there's somebody watching out for them, there's something bigger. And then there's a second kind of person that that um, takes it as just pure luck, that it was a good fortune, just happened at the right time. And he goes to his speech, you see Joaquin Phoenix like welling up with tears during it. And then he's like, well, which one are you? And he's like, are you comforted? And he said, yes. He's like, then what does it matter? And then they launch into the part he's talking about. But that moment there, um, that's probably the the powerful moment to the movie for me. The whole, like, are you comforted? Then what does it matter? It's like he hasn't come to terms with what he believes yet. He says he doesn't. He says he's done with it. He tells his kids he will never pray again and that he's we won't waste another second on prayer. And then when his son is dying, he's screaming out at God in anger, which he's still praying. So he hasn't given up his faith. He's just furious with God in the movie. Like he's he's screaming at him. He hasn't given up the idea that God's there. He's just telling God, I hate you. Um, And then that speech is the one that comes back to him later. And he realizes the signs in the movie, the signs that God's been watching out for him the whole time. Um, so I love that speech and how it kind of takes place in the middle there and then bookends the movie, puts it at the end of the movie too, which is a, a great thing that Contact does also with the two speeches in Contact, yeah. which, which somebody didn't do their homework. <laughs> Other Chuck. Can, um, can I just really quickly say that I feel a little bit like I'm in college again and like the professor <laughs> has called on me and I'm just sort of like... Winging it? Winging it. <laughs> which, complete confession, 
I managed to do really well in college. <laughs> yeah, I um, I led a right. class discussion and got an A plus on a book that I never opened. <laughs> but, <laughs> was that one of the classes we were in together? Please was, tell me it was. No, it was oh. um, cultural anthropology. Yeah, oh, wow. I just pretended I read it. I skimmed the first chapter. Uh, Miss Torbett, now Mrs. McQueenie, if she ever hears this podcast, thank you. You gave me an A because I could skim a chapter and get an A plus without reading a book. <laughs> so, just, anyways, well, but in you know, contact, yeah. contact uses the same kind of a thing. There's two, there's two moments in contact that are the the whole point to the movie. And there's one where um, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey's characters are having a discussion about faith in God. And she's telling him, basically, he's insane. If there was an all-powerful being that created us and placed us here, and, um, well, just pause. Um, I should say, spoiler alert for people like Chuck, we're, we're giving away these movies, but they're like 900 years old. Yeah, you should have seen them by now. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> but, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey is yeah. Chuck. Uh-huh. Yeah, he is in that movie, by the way. We, we've decided he's you in that movie. I'll but they're it. having this discussion, and she tells Matthew McConaughey, you're crazy. If if an all-powerful being created us, you would he would have left something here to prove that he exists. Why wouldn't he? That She's like, it's stupid that he wouldn't do that. And he asks her, do you love your dad? And she's like, of course I do. And he said, well, prove it to me. And she's like, stuck. She can't. Um, which is kind of a cliche Christian argument, but is is a good one. It's a good point. There's things you can't prove, you can't quantify, you can't add with mathematical or scientific understanding, things like love. But then she experiences through the movie this encounter with aliens, comes back with no proof, and people are telling her she's insane. And she's stuck in a courtroom in front of a a hearing. The Supreme Court. A Supreme Court in front of a hearing, and they're telling her, so what you want us to believe are these, these powerful, smart, intelligent beings that are far beyond us in evolution met with you and sent you back without any proof. They're like, doesn't that sound stupid? And she's, and she's switched into the role of being the one to say, all I can say is I've experienced something that's changed my life, and I can't help but tell people about it. And it's like this perfect bookends to the movie of showing what faith is um, and uh, describing mm. faith and understanding with, with this movie and the movie's discussion about it. Yeah, I, I, I got a hmm. Yeah, I know I, I know I need to see the movie, but this, the, but this sounds like something that, I, that, that I, I hear a lot in conversations about God and faith and the nature of faith that usually drives me nuts, um, which is that faith is something that like, 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 like it sounds to me like they, 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 they present one, one, the idea is that faith in God and faith of an experience with aliens are somehow the same thing. But the other is faith is like one of these things that is kind of like science. Like we don't have the evidence for it yet that like faith is one of these things that like we believe in because we believe that someday it'll prove itself kind of thing, which I mean, I guess is partly true, but I, I what, where, where I'm getting with this is that in Scripture, faith is talked about in a, within a category. We talk, we're told that there's faith, hope, and charity, or faith, hope, and love, depending on the translation of the Bible you use. You know, hope and love are something that we understand as, like, not rational, right? Like, even, even the thing that Matthew McConaughey says in the movie about, um, about loving her dad, you know, prove love, 
Well, you can't necessarily prove love. You just know it's there, right? It's what uh, some people would say is intuitive knowing. But like this intuitive knowledge kind of concept. So we have hope and love that are sort of understood as that. Like they can't be quantified. They can't be rationalized. They don't make any sense from evolutionary biology. But there's something that we have. We understand them to be true. But then faith is held in those same categories. But we try to make faith a matter of like a type of rationalization. So we try to make faith a head knowledge kind of thing. Whereas maybe faith is more in line with hope and love, that it's something that is more sort of sort of core, like intuitive heart type knowledge rather than head knowledge, to use that really kind of crappy um, well, that's... distinction. But I, I, anyway, that's listening to you guys talk about it, that's just sort of where I went in my head with it. No, that's actually what I think the movie Contact expresses very well, is um, she... She, they use aliens because it's Hollywood. They use yeah. aliens to explain it. But she goes through an experience that she herself can't comprehend mentally. So she's hmm. only okay. going off of the idea that she said, I experienced something that has changed my life and the way I see everything. And she says, and I can't help but tell people about it. Because they tell her, if you, if you believe, they ask her. They're like, so you're saying it's possible that this didn't happen? And she's like, yes, it's possible. Like, and you're saying that it's possible you made it all up. She's like, yes, it's possible. As a scientist, I have to say it is possible that none of this took place. The thing fell through. I made the whole thing up. And they're like, so why don't you just say that and we move on? And she says, I can't. Hmm. Because she says, everything inside of me has changed because of something I experienced. And I can't help but tell people about it. So this movie actually does a great job of taking it outside of head knowledge. Because she herself, as a scientist, is forced to say... I can't prove this. I can't even tell you it happened. I just know it happened. And so she goes off of there, and um, it basically mirrors Matthew McConaughey's speech earlier in the movie. And it's Hollywood trying to trying to express faith, so they, they love using aliens like in Signs to, to pull that out. But I actually think this movie does a great job of taking it beyond a comprehensible as far as like A plus B equals C yeah. and takes it to a everything inside my being tells me this is true despite the fact that my head is telling me I could be crazy. So basically, basically I should probably not argue about movies I haven't <laughs> movies seen. Haven't seen. Um, <laughs> so basically you should see a movie before you comment on but, it. But talking, about, but, but talking a little bit about like, the Hollywood way of talking about belief and faith, I think a little bit about um, the movie Prometheus um, where this whole idea, like, which like – God, Prometheus is one of these movies that wants so hard to be a big ideas movie and then just does nothing with it. Um, but this Well, whole, that's I, what happens when you get Damon Lindelof to write your script. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I, I just think, like, this idea of these aliens, like, the idea of where... First of all, they make the whole, like, Lisbeth character. She's... Right, Lisbeth? Oh, no, no. I'm confusing her with the role she played in um, the Dragon oh, Girl, Tattoos. Girl, the Dragon yeah. Tattoo. Um, I, I forgot her name. It's been so long. I haven't watched it in a long time, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> not Ellen Ripley. Yeah. Um, she like they they make this big thing about how she's a true believer, and that that somehow she's like on this quest to the stars because of her faith, and like, but she's going to kind of prove that there is no God, right? Because the idea is that these aliens made them, right? Um, and so somehow that's about that's that's faith related, and then there's like this there's a whole thing online that like apparently. Jesus was one of these engineers and they murdered him. And that's why they made the aliens that are in the alien series is like revenge for murdering Jesus. That was actually originally the story. 
Yeah, I, I just remember Jesus being an eight-foot albino dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember Jesus looking like like roided up Squidward. Yeah. Um, Her name is Elizabeth, by the way. It is Elizabeth? Okay. Yeah. Because I know she also played... Uh, Elizabeth Salamander, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Salamander. But um, anyway, I just, listening to this, just kind of thought about a movie that, that tries to do the same kind of thing, but just has no idea what it's doing. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. Going back to Signs, I had some interesting thoughts about the movie, and I kind of want to hear you guys' opinions. What do you think, if at all, um, they're pretty vague, uh, on purpose, of course, because it's supposed to be more of a, a personal story than it is sort of like a like an Independence Day or whatever. D- what do you think the aliens and uh, signs uh, represent? Do you think they have a specific... Re- Usually, M. I. Shyamalan is very upfront about all of his ideas because he's so full of himself. Right. But he never really talked that much about uh, the, some of the symbolism in his movies, which I know is in there. But I'm interested in what you guys think. Let's do some Death of the Author conjuring what do you guys think that the aliens and signs represent as sort of like a symbol that's interesting because like my initial response to it is i really don't know if they had one like they just feel like a catalyst for the for the movie like you could have you could have put in anything like a um a tsunami or a hurricane that's wiping out the town you could have filled it in with anything and and made this movie so i feel like it's a there's a crisis of faith element but Mm-hmm. But that's not really it either, because the crisis of faith is there before this occurs. So I almost feel like Shyamalan, it's maybe maybe he didn't explain it, because it's a one time where he's like, I just wanted to make an alien movie. So he, <laughs> I mean, everything else had depth and meaning, but the aliens are just the, like, you know, I'm going to make this this movie that has all this meaning and depth to it. But well, it's within the context of just an alien movie. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know if it has a direct meaning. Yeah, I mean, I know we're not really doing death of the author because we're trying to divine what the author intended. I think, like, I think, I think I agree with Matt. I don't think he really thought too much about it. I mean, if there's anything, it seemed to me like he, you know, he had done a ghost movie, right? Um, and that 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 already yields itself to religious and spiritual overtones, right? Because the idea of the afterlife and and, and that kind of stuff. Um, what and, and it seems that like faith and belief seems to be kind of a, a an undercurrent in a lot of his stuff, especially his early stuff. There is a sort of a spiritual hint to all the supernatural stuff that happens in his movies, yeah. Yeah, and so like to do something that like is a different kind of supernatural in a way, because aliens are kind of supernatural, but they're hard science, like it's yeah. hard science fiction type stuff. Mm-hmm. That it's it's a different kind of. I mean, aliens in our in our culture anyway are just kind of an interesting thing because they sort of fit the mold that in sort of pre-scientific, pre-industrial society, we would have just chalked up to sort of like ghosts and monsters and werewolves and stuff like that, that in a, in sort of a post-scientific revolution world, we created this sort of mythological thing of the gray, of the gray alien. Um, And it, it, it's, 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 it's sort of a, it's sort of a science boogeyman kind of thing. And so I think like, He's trying to channel. I, I imagine he's. I think he's trying to channel a bit of that, and to to sort of investigate where does faith play in that? Because clearly, like that strikes a chord with people. Because, like as I mentioned early on, earlier in the podcast, that one of the things I've been fascinated by with whenever I watch UFO documentaries is when they touch on this subject, that this would somehow possibly ruin religion mm-hmm. if we were to have aliens. It would somehow disprove religion. 
And um, so I'm sure like he's probably operating off the same assumption. Like, well, let's, let's, let's put a, let's put a priest in a story with aliens and see what we can do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Hollywood's just, I mean, Hollywood's obsessed with the idea. It, they constantly mix the two. And I really do think in there, to them, it's a perfect, it's a perfect mirror to hold up to it for, for their understanding, to hold up religion against a scientific form of religion. Um, people who are 100% sold and believe in the whole alien encounters, alien abduction things. I mean, they're almost the level of like a religious, oh, religious I mean, belief. Yeah, UFO cultist and thing is a whole So, so they love to hold the two up. Yeah. And I know, I know one of the first shows that came to my mind, I have to bring it up because how couldn't I? The first one that came to my mind is X-Files, which right. immediately places this UFO nut, Mulder, with a scientific expert who's also a catholic and your introduction to her is a cross on her neck and him wondering well what what so you believe in that why can't you believe in this and they took an even interesting turn with it to make the guy who who seems to be 100 percent acting on faith he's the alien believer and the scientific mind is the one who believes in god yeah and they kind of flipped it in a way also, but place these two characters together and then throughout the course of the show, even into the new season that just, just took place and finished, they're constantly bringing them up against each other. How um, her faith is strengthened through their journey while his belief in aliens is strengthened through their journey. And the two of them are almost meeting at the same exact place through two different channels. Yeah. Um, one's a belief in aliens, one's a belief in, in God. But Hollywood loves to to put those two together. Well, and and what I think is interesting too, I just I had to look this up just to verify the title. But like Whitley Stryber's like like the book that is considered like the like the book in terms of UFOs and sort of alien mythology is Whitley Stryber's Communion. And there's really like I've heard of that. Yeah, it's um it's it's the book he um claims that he like was able to arrive at this knowledge of ufo abduction through hypnosis um and i mean it came after a whole ton of stories you know uh, it's like i mean obviously roswell and all that kind of fits into the mythology but he he sort of this this is the book that deals with actual abduction like Hmm. the mechanics of abduction like all the stuff that we kind of associate with with the abduction narrative comes from this story they told and i think it's no coincidence that he calls it communion is it pretty popular amongst like the like the ufology circles and stuff? Like oh, absolutely! Chariots yeah. of the gods and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, chariots of the gods. I think is probably more of you know that's more that pseudo history type thing. But like communion actually tries to go into a really like supernatural, almost spiritual place with it because he 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 talks about them. He talks about the aliens and he first of all he never calls them aliens. He never acknowledges that they are like creatures from another star, from another planet. Does he call he them just, visitors? Uh, actually, I think he does. I think that's where that comes from. I <laughs> really do. Yeah, I mean, like the image, like the the, the whole like the the gray alien image comes yeah. from this book. Okay. When when did it go from little green men to gray? By the way, do you know that? Is um, that from that book? It, I, I think so. Yeah. Sorry, uh, side trail. It's also the cool. um. It's also the um. The the hill abductions was it Betty and Barney Hill? Um, oh, abducted the... in 1952, I think. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the story. In their car, right? Right, yeah, they're the first like major um, abduction Carl, story. Yeah, um, Carl Sagan did a documentary on them. One of, or not a documentary, but one of his episodes of um, um, Cosmos. Cosmos back in the seventies did an episode on them. Yeah, yeah, because they they claimed like, they were able to like draw like a star chart 
and stuff like like where they right. came from yeah, or like where they that. were yeah and um yeah because the, the, yeah it's a crazy story the Barney interracial Annie, couple by the way interracial couple 1952 back roads um yeah. they just suddenly found themselves with like they had lost concept of time like they realized that like hours had passed they had no recollection of it well they were so disturbed by that that one of i think betty decided she had like a friend who was into hypnotherapy and so she went and saw this guy and he was able to bring up and they had all these vivid memories of being abducted by these little people and they remember like feeling fear and everything, but they never felt that the people who took them or that the, that the beings that took them were nefarious or anything like that. That's something we sort of like projected onto the whole deal. Um, I mean, you know, if, if, if it is there, if there's any truth to it, right. um, you know, it's probably like a sort of like, like a tag and release pro- program that these aliens are running. But, um, but, but yeah, it's, just, it's a fascinating story. And like, they're like the first like abduction story and that kind of sets the tone. But then William Stryber or, or Whit- Whitley Stryber, um, had a similar experience in, I think the seventies when he wrote maybe 60s, seventies when he wrote communion. Um, and that became like a major bestseller. They made a movie out of it. Um, did they? Yeah. I never seen it. Um, okay. Well, the experience. reason why, the reason why I brought up, um, uh, that they're interracial couple, not just saying, Ooh, interracial couple, um, and if I remember correctly, the episode of Cosmos that I watched, that, that sort of factored into uh, the anxiety mm. uh, and that um, aliens, a lot of psychologists believe that aliens are sort of like a uh, manifestation of anxiety. And um, that actually like them going through that experience could have been like a psychological delusion that reflected what they're feeling, uh, you know, concerning like their relationship during that time. Cause it was in the fifties and they're an interracial couple. Like, right. Well, and there's some people who, who also speculated that the idea that they were small, they're always depicted as having sort of like slanted almond colored, like almond shaped eyes. Right. Um, but that, that, and of course it's in the, it's like, like around world war two, just after world war two, that this also, that there, that there's a stereotyping of, of Japanese people. Also Korea at the time of war. And Korea, Korea, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there's, a, there's a racial element to it. But one of the more interesting theories um, that I've read is, um, like, one thing that fascinates me is description of little gray beings, like, coming and visiting people have existed since the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where, like, by the way, this is where I'm going to get even, this is where I get really nerdy. Because, like I said, <laughs> I have devoured hours of UFO stuff. Don't believe you could get any nerdier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, if you want to watch somebody who, like, knows their stuff on Aliens, um, um, one of the lead singers of Blink-182, uh, Tom DeLonge. Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 is, like, a major UFO conspiracy guy. I think, I think I've heard about this. Like, he's, like, he like, a walking, like, textbook um, on this stuff. But anyway, um, the um, – but, like, so these stories have existed and people have been curious about it. So the, the, the reigning theory right now, and I read this a couple years ago, is that it's related to something called infrasound. Um, which is sound pitches that are too low for the human ear to pick up, um, yeah. but that they that they conjure images of dread, anxiety, um, cold spots, um, and the seeing of gray figures in the corners of their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that there's this belief that a lot of hauntings and other things like that are related to infrasound. And it's also one of the reasons why they think um, churches have a tendency to feel like really holy places, because air moving through the organ pipes can create infrasound. I've heard of that. Um, and, um, Chuck, 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 uh, Palinuk talks about that, doesn't he? Uh, probably somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 maybe one of his newer things. I don't know. I've been, I kind of gave up on him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but the, but the other thing is, it's really interesting is, um, because so much of the alien, um, images or the ideas have come up from people, um, from, um, 
through hypnotherapy. So another theory that I've seen that I'm really fascinated by is people have done, um, they've sort of, not reverse engineer, but they've done like simulation type, whatever you want to call it, um, to sort of capture like what babies see. Because babies, and I learned this because, you know, I've just, you know, I just have two new kids. And so I was kind of curious about like, you know, what, what's the world look like to them? Because they can't really, babies can't really see color. Like they can only see like red, white, and uh, black, white, and red um, when they're new. And um, they can't really make out, like they're super nearsighted. They can't really make out details and stuff. So, um, so the, the thing is, it's like running it through like what, what, what their parents look like, like what, what parents look like to babies. Um, we actually look like gray aliens to them because like the shadows around our eye sockets are bigger. They can't only, they can't see color. So we're gray. And so there's this theory that hypnotherapy is actually bringing out these sort of, um, deep seated memories from, um, infancy. And like, it, and it kind of fits if you think about it. It's like you've got these people standing around you while you're in a bed, and like if they're changing your diaper, they're doing like all this stuff that you can't understand. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting theory to me. But of course, it doesn't explain like the Betty and the Betty Barney Hill story because like these things like walked them over to a star chart and showed them a map. Um, not too many parents are showing their kids like here's where like the reticulum system is or whatever. Right. But um, but it is an, to me it's an interesting theory. No, it is interesting. I've actually never heard of that. That's um, it's interesting. It's also uh, kind of makes me terrified for babies if <laughs> if every day is fire in the sky for them, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean that's why they don't. That's why they don't remember anything. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so they're hypnotized. Travis Walton, the guy from Fire in the Sky. Um, what? Sorry, no, Matt, no, Matt, Matt. Matt pulled up a picture of a gray alien on his phone, and it's freaking me out over here. <laughs> Okay. I don't. Aliens creep me out. To try and they, they, they they do too. Like even talking about it now, I'm like, oh god, ugh. yeah, yeah. It's not cool, is it? It's not. Cool. <laughs> it's not. Um, they, that out. Go back. They, to what say. Um, like I said, you know, they, these psychologists think that it represents anxiety mostly. Um, just that the the whole idea of it, it it's kind of scarier to me than like a ghost or than a supposed haunted house or uh, you know. A Sasquatch, which I'm actually love love the idea of a Sasquatch. I would want to, I want to be Sasquatch's friend, or like but, a skunk ape that's Florida <laughs> Sasquatch. Yeah, he probably drinks for a loco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, like, what you guys think? Like, if if like tonight, what if this is prophetic? Tonight, April fourth. We turn like we go on Twitter. We turn on our television, and suddenly there's like lights over the White House and like over every major city in the world. And aliens make themselves like you know apparent to us. Like they, it, it's the truth is completely made uh, real, and we are. It, there's no doubt that we are not alone in the universe. How would that affect your beliefs, or would it? Well, I, I can say first of all that that I I, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it did, it wouldn't change. It wouldn't change anything for me. So why do you say? Why, why do you say it wouldn't happen? I, I just don't think it does. I feel like um, I feel like we're getting so far beyond that being possible without it having already happened. Hmm. Is my point that if you're going to believe in aliens, we would have already found something. I mean, we've had the Mars rover roaming around looking for looking for aliens, signs of life. Um, I just feel like it's it's outside of happening. Um, so I, I just don't believe it would. But if it did, it, it wouldn't change my faith because I don't see how that how that impacts anything I believe. Meaning, um, 
uh, I believe the Bible, I believe in God, I believe in what Jesus did, and I don't feel like all of a sudden, oh, look, aliens, changes that, because that's what happened. It's what's here. It's what occurred. Um, actually, I had to look it up earlier, but I've actually heard the verse, um, heard the verse John 10, 16. If you looked it up, people have used it as a thing to say that possibly there's aliens, where Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Um, and obviously, I don't believe in context and stuff. That's what it's about. But I've heard a lot of people use that as the maybe there's aliens context, that there's sheep from another pasture that he'll also bring with him. Um, but no, I, I feel like aliens aren't going to come visit us. But if they did, my faith wouldn't change. It wouldn't change what I believe. It just would definitely uh, change what I'm praying about. <laughs> I'd probably be like, please don't let them wipe us out. <laughs> so That's what my, Stephen Hawking thinks, apparently. Yeah, how would, it affect, how would it affect my faith? I'd be like, um, oh my goodness, please don't let them take me. Um, Wait, Stephen Hawking thinks he'd wipe us out? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Stephen Hawkins believes that if there is life on other planets, they would only come as being superior to us and therefore basically exterminating us like kind of like the conquistadors or or like the way that um, any civilization that's advanced overruns the one under them. Stephen Hawking believes if they're coming, we're doomed. So we better all hope they're not there is his bottom line. Okay. That's interesting. Thanks yeah. for that vote of confidence. Um, it was actually a fairly new quote, too, like a few years ago you just said it. Huh. Which All they right. used for an advertisement for a very terrible sci-fi alien movie that came out that same year. What movie? What was it called? Um, it took place in Las Vegas, I believe. I think it was made by the same brothers who made uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Oh, wait, was it that movie that was like... The, the, the preview showed, like, massive amounts of people being abducted. Yes, that one. Uh, uh, that preview freaked me out. Is it the fourth kind? No. No, no, that, no, that, free, that, that, that freaked me out, man. <laughs> that, no, uh-uh, no. When I saw the preview for fourth kind, like, like okay, I, I, made it, I made it, you know, clear that I'm not a big fan of scary movies. It's called Skyline. That movie looked terrible. Um, oh, it was terrible. But I mentioned, Sorry, but carry I, on. But I mentioned that here before, you know, like, I don't like scary movies in general, right? Yeah. But, like... I, I, like I like Scream. Like I can handle. I can handle um, slasher slasher films. Yeah. I, I aliens. I can't do it. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> nope. And like when I saw the trailer for Fourth Kind, and I was like watching it, and like they zoom in on like these eyes of an owl, and then like yeah. I'm like then I'm listening to the voiceover, and I was like, wait, those aren't owl eyes. Those that oh, those yeah. are. Those are those are gray alien eyes. It freaked me out, man. And the guy starts levitating in bed. That was kind of. Oh cool. uh, no. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. Yeah, because, um, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> For me to answer your question, uh, Chuck, um, I think it would be really, I would be stoked and also kind of scared, but sort of like um, like so in awe that it's also kind of scary, kind of like when you look down into the ocean, you know, and it's really deep. <laughs> I know that, that freaks Matt out 100%. But, like, for me, it's, like, a mixture of, like, wow, this is so big and beautiful and amazing. But also, like, oh, what if, like, Cthulhu exists down there? You know? Would it affect my beliefs? I don't really think it would. Unless they had something to kind of share. You know? Some kind of insight on us. 
Because when I, I often think about this a lot, to be honest, about like aliens and different planets and what does it mean to travel to a different planet. I don't think it's that different from like when we as a human race were discovering other countries, you know, mm-hmm. like when Europe came over to America or when the Vikings came over to America or something. I don't, I feel like it's sort of the same thing to me. And I have a feeling maybe if did, did that rattle, I, I wonder, did that rattle their beliefs? You know, like, I think maybe they had always kind of known there are other humans out there on this planet. Um, but did it kind of shake their, you know, spiritual beliefs when they discovered this? Who's? Who's which like, side? What do you Because like Native the, Americans, we became white devils because it right. That, that's true. Maybe I'm belief. thinking on the different side of the whole thing. I, you know, maybe it did. Um, well, like okay, so like well, like one of the weirder stories, somewhat related to that, JP, like that I remember hearing about was this, this story: of the Kogi Indians. They're from a somewhere in Central America or South America. I think maybe in Brazil. The Kogi Indians. They have this. They have this. Um, this mythology that at some point in their history there were there was the older brother and the younger brother and the younger brother left and went over the great sea and like their whole like mythology believed that one day the younger brother would come back from over the great sea and so when the conquistadores came they were like oh the little brother came back like it was already a part of their mythology and like there's other stories about that too like the, the like one of the interesting things about the cherokee that i that i remember reading about a while ago was um that the Cherokee had sort of a, a belief in a Messiah figure. And of the native peoples, the Cherokee tended to gravitate to Christianity a little quicker than some of the other native peoples in, 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 in what we call America um, did. And part of that was um, they recognized in Jesus this Messiah figure that they had had part of their, part of their mythology for a really long time. And they said that, like, you know, we accepted Jesus because we had, our, we had known about him for years and for centuries or whatever. If it's not the Cherokee, I'm going to feel really bad, but I'm pretty sure it's the Cherokee. But yeah, so like, I think like there's it, that, that kind of stuff interests me is the fact yeah. that it, it did rattle their world, but it's, for some people it confirmed stuff they believed in their whole existence. Yeah, you know, and, and it, to me, it's, it's kind of like an opportunity to, like, to see a new worldview. I, I'm not one of these people that thinks that you know, Satan is hiding behind every uh, religion that isn't ours. You know, I, I kind of think that there's a piece of God in every single one of those religions. And um, I feel like if we met some kind of alien from another galaxy or universe or, I don't know, alternate dimension, like, it would add another dimension to it. You know? Yeah. Did you guys ever see the movie uh, Enemy Mine? No. Parts of it, but it's been a long time. I don't know if I watched the whole thing or not. <laughs> I actually watched it the other day, and it's... it's uh, Chuck, you would love it because it's this really cheesy, like early '80s sci-fi space sci-fi movie. Dennis Quaid, right? Dennis Quaid, a very young and handsome Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I've heard and, about this. I've heard good things about this movie. And Louis Gossett Jr. as like a really crazy-looking reptilian alien. Oh, I love Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, and he's awesome, by the way. He's incredible. Anyway, they they they're like a you know the humanity is is at war with this race of reptilians. They're called uh, I think they're called like Drax or Thrax or something, and you know, a pilot from the human race and a pilot from the reptilian race, they land on this planet together and they want to kill each other, but then they have to survive and they kind of become like brothers, basically they become best friends. And, um, they start kind of teaching each other, each other's languages and the reptilian, I forgot what he calls him. Crap. I, I was falling asleep while watching this, but I've seen it before. <laughs> Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, actually starts teaching Dennis Quaid about his religion. And as he's sort of learning the language, he's also learning the the scripture from the this little book he carries around, like on a necklace. 
Hmm. And it's actually, he's discovering that it's like, it mirrors the story of Jesus. Interesting. And when he, when he says that to Louis Gossett Jr., he's actually not surprised. He says, that's because truth is truth. Well, I, I take, I'm, you're, you said that, and it kind of goes back to a statement you just made about other religions and how all of them contain a piece of God. Um, I wouldn't say it that way necessarily coming from my, my faith and belief, but what I would say is that all truth is God's truth. Right. I think that's a very biblical thing. And I think the Apostle Paul was incredible at looking at other religions, other worldviews, finding the truth in them, and using that to discuss God and Jesus. Right. And reaching them through what they already believed, basically. And it's kind of what you're touching on here. You, you shifted topics and went to the, the alien movie thing, but it's the same idea. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, all truth is God's truth, so I don't hide from truth wherever I find it. I right. use that to point back to God and be like, yeah, here's the point. Here's the source of that truth. Because I think we all, you can find common things, which we talked in a podcast about religion and spirituality, the whole idea that there's lots of paths leading to God up the same mountain. It's like, no, I, I, I mean, I, I come from a faith background where I believe that Jesus is the only way to, to reach the Father. But other religions, other groups of people, they've touched on truths, and they've actually, in some cases, are practicing truths far better than we are, mm-hmm. and therefore I can affirm that truth and enter into a conversation mm-hmm. with them that will strengthen my faith and point them toward what I believe is the purpose to everything, um, as opposed to attacking. So kind of a side trail, but you talking about that movie made me think of that, like yeah. the, the idea that truth is truth. Um, I think it is. The Bible says all truth is God's truth, so we shouldn't run from truth wherever we find it. We should hold on to it, cling to it, and use that as the discussion. Talk about the truth instead of focusing on the attacking, which is what I think that movie was about. The Enemy Mind movie is this idea of two people that found the, the truth, if you will, the alien and the human that find the thing that binds them rather than the thing that divides them. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there and probably what the movie was commenting on, especially since it's using the idea of scripture. Mm-hmm. So great movie. Highly recommended directed by Wolfgang Peterson who also directed never ending story. So oh, nice. check it out. Check it out. Chuck, you'll love it. Yeah. Um, how, cool. I was going to comment because what you guys are talking about, I mean, two things. One is um, I'll just comment because Matt talked about um, where he's coming from and his beliefs. Like I, I tend to believe that, there are many paths to the top of the mountain and God's at the top of the mountain. It's just that when people get to the summit, they find Jesus no matter what. It's a scandalous idea for everyone involved, but um, that's <laughs> well, where you're, you're just taking it from a different point of view. To you, the journey starts and then ends with Jesus at the top. Um, it just depends on how you take the metaphor. The idea of how do you get on the mountain? Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. take the idea of that being Jesus, and I'm like, well, Jesus is the only way. If you take the idea of um, leading the truth, finding truth, focusing on truth, and that leads to you discovering Jesus, then, then yeah, I agree with you. So I don't think we disagree on that. It's right, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We pick the wrong spot, different points to start the journey well, I mean, of the metaphor. And, and that's where this stuff comes, right? It's, it's, We're mixing metaphors. I'm yeah. sorry, people. <laughs> it's okay. But no, the, uh, but the other thing is thinking about um, what you were talking about, JP, about with like some of this. Is I was thinking a bit about um, C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. So oh, yeah. Yeah, C.S. Lewis wrote, um, it's, it's one of his lesser known um, series of books. It never got as popular as um, the Chronicles of Narnia, probably because the third 
volume in it is this like major like thick esoteric thing but he wrote this space trilogy um the first one deals with um martians um which interestingly enough the character of martian manhunter in um the dc comics pantheon um his martian language and names comes from out of the silent planet which is the first book in the c.s lewis series um and then they, but then the one that um the, the best one in it is paralandra uh, which takes place in venus um but they um but these these books deal with um the idea that god did create other beings on other planets but then he has like a plan for every every species. So like C.S. Lewis's idea was that the gospel is meant for us as humans. And so it doesn't preclude there from being a gospel for other beings out there. That was his way of kind of coming to terms with with their what to do with other aliens on other worlds. So I think it's an interesting idea. Um, I was going to point out that um, and part of the reason why I asked this question is, I um, mean, I've told you about this before, JP. But since college, I've been kind of working on a story that I've been trying to turn into a book and I'm writing it now. Well, I'll probably never finish it, but I'm writing it now um, where humans make contact with aliens, but they make, but the first contact with aliens happens um, when they approach, when they, when they enter a church and want baptism that somehow aliens have become convinced of the Christian message through their observations of humanity and, um, and they want to get converted. And that raises all kinds of questions of, faith and belief and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of a thing I've been working on for a while. But um, Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, that's great. So, like, I'm curious about this kind of stuff because, you know, where, where people come from. Because I just never have bought the idea that the existence of aliens should somehow negate religion. Like, I just never bought that. I mean, religion, well, Christianity well, me, has always adapted. Yeah. Um, so well, Let me turn the tables on you, Chuck. Uh, how would it affect your beliefs if, if uh, you know, uh, Independence Day came down from the sky and hovered over the White House. And yeah, if you're if you're going to steer the bus, it is yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. going to hit oh, you. Oh no! I, <laughs> oh come on, please. That's how I, all my conversations are. Right? I really talk about them so that I can talk about myself. Um, but no, <laughs> let me tell you what I really wanted to say this yeah, whole time. No, I, I could do this podcast by myself. It'd be completely. Would you yeah. would, would you straight up Richard Dreyfus that or? <laughs> straight up Richard? Dreyfuss. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh, God, family behind it. Uh, we could talk about that movie and the, the way it talks about blind faith. Yeah. Um, no, the uh, Close Encounters, by the way. For our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, we're talking about Close Encounters, the third kind. Go watch it. Um, or for the members of the podcast who had no idea what you were talking about. What did I say? I, I haven't seen Close Encounters. Oh, members of the podcast. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so I actually didn't have any clue what you guys were talking about. I just right. stayed silent. He, he, he places his potatoes. Um, <laughs> and he leaves his family to go find aliens. I will watch it tonight because I take my homework seriously. He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> um, um, wow. But the, um, so what would it do for my faith? Um, nothing. I mean, I think it would. We have really boring answers for this one. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't think, it, I, I mean, my, you know, I would have to, cause I'm not a scriptural literalist. So like, I know like a lot of people that the issue is, is like, well, if God created other, other beings, like how does, how does Genesis make sense? Right. Um, you know, well, on one hand, either like, well, the Genesis story is about the creation of us, not about everything else. So th- that's not a problem for me. But the <laughs> other piece is, is that I don't take it literally to begin with. So faith, so my faith, yeah, I don't think my faith would be affected. I, I think my faith would be affected if like they show up and they're like, actually, we made you guys. Like we're God. Oh, yeah. You know, like that, um, like that old, like that 70s con, there was like that popular 70s thing where, you know, Jesus was a spaceman, um, which th- comes from the chariots of the gods. I think that might affect my faith more than than if referenced like, in contact. By the way, Terry said, "Oh, Jesus being an alien." 
Uh, no, that 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 phrase. Jesus was a spaceman. Oh, uh, Jesus was a spaceman. Yeah. Um, which you know was actually there's a there's a really terrible hippie Christian song that my wife is a big fan of called um, Cosmic Cowboy. Um, that possibly talks about talks about Jesus is a cosmic cowboy. Loves yeah. the song. I'll play it for you later, Matt. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at anything. I'm sorry. sorry. You can use a clip of that song to close out this episode. Jason, we could do that, yeah. On the editing. Shooting <laughs> rainbows from his fingers. Yeah, it's crazy. But the, um, uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 I could probably go on about this, but, like, the ultimate answer for me is it, it just wouldn't affect my faith. Like, I would just have to assume that, like, Jesus, that God has a plan for them, too, and that my job is to proclaim the gospel to, I mean, like Jesus says, proclaim the gospel to every living creature, so, like, I have an obligation as a Christian to proclaim the gospel to every living creature, which means, like, not just humans. And so, like, so it would be my job to proclaim the gospel to those aliens and sort of, you know. And, like, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's God's problem, not my problem. And I just have to assume that either God has had a separate plan for them all along or their plan was to come find us so that they could hear the gospel and be converted. And then we would have alien priests, which would be super cool. <laughs> You could baptize them. I could baptize them and celebrate mass with them. That would be cool, actually. I would. I would really like, especially if they have like cool space fabrics. The vestments would be awesome. Unless <laughs> they're irradiated or something, they give you cancer. But yeah. oh, JP, don't kill my <laughs> don't kill my dreams. I saw I saw this great movie about an alien, and it dealt with the idea of religion. And it caused me to question humanity entirely. It's called BVS, Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> it I is lost, about an alien. I lost all hope. In it is such a theological movie about aliens. It, it really is. is. It is. If you want to talk about aliens and theology, I mean, it, it, that is a dead-on movie to talk about. Um, I mean, especially when you have Lex Luthor like, explicitly talking about his rejection of God. Well, they God. have a deleted scene that I'm sure everybody's seen by now online called Communion. Yep. Where he's oh, interacting yes. with the idea some being from apocalypse, which we all are, are, are guessing and speculating in three mother boxes, but we have no idea what it is. But um, but yeah, I mean, you want to talk about faith and aliens? You got the <laughs> Superman thing. Um, but Hollywood knew that because when Man of Steel came out, they actually gave out material for pastors to oh, yeah. use. I remember that. Sermons on. Oh, and wow. there's that great scene in Man of Steel where he's like exiting um, the Kryptonian or the World Engine ship. Um, and he like flies out of the ship, like in a cruciform shape, like he's Scott Stapp and, and Jor-El and Jor-El is saying, you can save them all. Um, and it's like, Oh, let's, okay. In case we were curious, right. I really wish I got a hold of that material for the preaching thing, just to see what, Oh, I know that would have been awesome. I wish I got a hold of it. It's got to be out there somewhere. And I mean, and and just really quick, the fascinating thing about Superman is that like Superman was created by a group of Jewish kids. Yeah, he's a Moses figure, not a Christ figure. Right. I mean, his Cal L is a Jewish name, which makes a lot yeah. of sense in viewing him as a Christ. He's figure. more like a golem than a Christ figure. Um, which also, speaking of, um, probably the most overt golem character um, in comics is the Thing, who in recent issues was revealed to be Jewish. He is Jewish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool. Um, but um, but yeah, Superman. Superman's a Methodist in the comics, which I always found fascinating. Batman is apparently an Episcopalian, which I, I learned. Really? Yeah. I mean, just because he's blue blood, Northeastern American, it would have made sense, New Englander, that it would have made sense that his family was Anglican Episcopalian. Yeah, they're very Anglo as well. They're not, uh, not, not Italian, not, not even really I mean, Scottish or Irish. 
Yeah. Probably very from, you know, the Queen's, the Queen's bloodline. So, um, had a long conversation about the possibility of aliens existing and what would it do to our faiths if, if, it, if they made themselves known, if they do exist. Um, we talked about how they've been portrayed in movies and how we've kind of tied it into uh, the theme of faith. Um, so let's get, let's get down to the real question that everyone at home is wondering. And I'm going to start with Matt. Matt, do you believe in aliens? No. I'd have to say no. Why not? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind being proven wrong. Uh, I mean, I'd, that'd be cool. But I'd have to say no. I stand by my statement. If something like that was going to happen, I feel like we've reached a point where we would have, we would have found something. So no, I don't. But that's just because uh, maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe someday we'll invent a telescope or a um, satellite or a probe that goes so far out there that I'm proven wrong. But I, I would have to say no. Or, or maybe uh, they've already discovered us, and they don't think we're ready. Uh, or they don't think that we're ready to to know. Yeah, them. we're, just, we're not good enough to start their first contact right there. So they're blocking all <laughs> all of our abilities to see them. Oh, yeah. so, I mean, that's possible. What if what if they're like the size of insects? Well, there's no guarantee that they're I like really, that's humanoid. That's an episode of X Files. I really didn't care for. <laughs> well, Carl, I don't like roaches, and it was all about roaches. That's not cool. You look at the Carl, insect alien episode of X Files. Carl Sagan uh, often talked about beings that exist in different dimensions, not alternate dimensions like different Earths or whatever, but like on a different plane. Like we can only see so many dimensions, but a being that existed outside of the dimensions that are that are um, tangible to us. We would not be able to comprehend them or, or notice them or see them. Right. They could see well, us. I, like see, Mr. I would Mix's probably, pick like, like, yeah. from Superman. I would probably argue Mix on pick. my end, if we go back to, as we're, as we're wrapping this up and you're asking me about my belief in aliens and all these, we'll say all the sightings and stuff that came up, and you were bringing up psychologists who say, think that it's, a, um, it's more a... Manifestation of anxiety. Manifesta- thank you. I couldn't think of the word. A manifestation of anxiety. Um, I would have to fall in the camp of, and people who know me well know that I'm not one of those people that are like, um, like demons are running around and the earth is all about like Satan and his demons playing with us. A game of like redemption. Spiritual, yeah, I think spiritual warfare. <laughs> I think the spiritual warfare the Bible is talking about is much more a, a comprehensible idea than we make it out to be in the sense that um, it's me warring against my own desires to do things that are wrong. I don't need to give Satan the power of thinking that there's this devil figure that's um, almost comparable to Christ, like can fight against Christ. Like we talk about God, you say like, what's the opposite of God? Somebody will say Satan. It's no, there, there is no opposite of God. God is God. Everything else doesn't even comprehend. So we give way too much power to this idea of devils Agreed. and Satan. Agreed. Um, it's really us and the the break we allow between God, and um, that's the warfare. But I say all that to say, um, spiritual life, when I talk about the spiritual life and the issues that we face and people who do believe that they've caught glimpses of this idea of the spiritual life would get the exact same thing as the alien people. Oh, it's a manifestation of your anxiety. So I would have to say that... If I was asked right now, aliens, do you believe in them? No. So how do you comprehend all the facts, all the sightings, all the ideas? I would say it's the same as um, I do believe in God, and I do believe that there's things that take place outside of our physical body.
body that we sometimes you can catch glimpses of it. Some people claim they catch literal glimpses. And I think it's the same idea. It's this, uh, you can say it's a manifestation of anxiety, or you could say it's just a glimpse of something bigger than us that people have um, had the idea of. You get anxious and these thoughts and these images that have been placed in your head over your lifetime of hearing stories and, and ideas are what you're going to see when that happens. Kind of like a near death experience. People, some people claim they actually die and catch a glimpse of heaven, like the white light. And other people claim, no, this is a thing we've been told for so long that if your body can't comprehend what's happening, of course, what you're going to picture is the white light. The, the idea of, of that near-death thing. Um, so I'll sum it all up in this statement. You're going to see what you're looking for. If I want to find aliens, I'm going to see proof of aliens. And I think this is what X-Files is great at. And I love that their statement is not, I believe in aliens. It's, I want to believe. And the whole show is this idea of a Catholic, um, a Catholic woman who wants to believe in God, but just can't and needs people to show her. And this guy who wants to believe in aliens, but he just can't, and he needs people to show him. And the two of them taking this journey of wanting to believe together. I believe that you're going to see, you're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to see what you want to find. When you look at all the evidence, you're going to see what you already decided it's going to see ultimately. And the Bible makes one statement that I base everything on, and that's that the Bible says the fool says there is no God. So if I start looking for God, I'm going to find God. If I start not looking, I'm going to find everything else but him. And I think all these stories play into something else to place your faith in, something else hmm. to go for. Um, it's everything. Everything is something other than God. Because in my opinion, there's God and there's nothing. So if I'm not going to start with God, if I'm going to take the route of I don't believe he's there, then I'm going to look for a billion other things to fill all the explanations for the stuff we can't comprehend or explain. Okay. So on that note, Father Chuck. <laughs> Father Chuck. Father Chuck. Pass it to you. Do I believe in aliens? Do you believe in aliens and why are they Nephilim? I, why are they oh, Nephilim? Nephilim. Oh, hey. that's a totally different discussion. Now, if you had asked that, we'd be in a totally different Actually, since we're here. talking about that, can I, can I tell you one of my favorite passages of scripture when it comes to this? Sure, go ahead. Um, comes to Ezekiel chapter 1. As I looked at the creatures, suddenly there was a wheel on the earth corresponding to all four faces of the creatures. The appearance and composition of the wheels were like sparkling topaz. There was one shape for all four of them, as if one wheel were inside another. When they moved in any of the four directions, they moved without swerving. Their rims were tall and terrifying because all four of them were filled with eyes all around. When the creatures moved, the, moved, the, the wheels moved next to them, and so on and so forth. You guys can read the rest. Um, I remember reading that once in like a in a book about UFOs that was like saying that flying saucers from the Bible. Cause like this idea of wheels flying. Um, do I believe that's about aliens? Uh, no, but, um, maybe uh, whatever, but the, um, you had me going and then you just, no, just it's aliens, pulled yeah, it right it, up from under me. Aliens if, I, in the Bible. Awesome. If, I can inter- if I can interject one, one second, the reason why I love that verse and I was kind of laughing when you're, when you're reading it, uh, totally used in the movie, knowing oh, Nicolas nice. Cage. Don't don't get started on that one when we've already been talking for an hour. Check it out, Chuck, if you haven't okay. seen it. Okay. Go ahead. So, yeah. so do I believe in aliens? I, I mean, it's a loaded question. Do I believe in creatures that live on other planets? Probably. I mean, there might be animals. There might be plants. There might be bacteria. There might be something like that that live on other planets. I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, intelligent life? 
you know, there was a time where I absolutely believed in, I totally believed all the conspiracy theories, but now I'm not so sure, especially like after reading about infrasound and all this other scientific explanation for it. Like, I don't know if like the gray aliens do actually exist. Um, do I want them to? I mean, it'd be kind of cool. It'd be kind of cool. I mean, be terrifying, but I think it'd be really cool um, to find out there are other beings out there. Cause I think their perspective on the universe would obviously be way different I mean, I watch a lot of Star Trek, and so, like, I want Star Trek to be real. I'll just be honest with you. Like, I want, I want Vulcans to show up one day, and then I, I want to meet Klingons, and I want to, like, work I to the totally other side of the universe. I totally want to work on the Enterprise. Yeah, I'm like, with you on that. A Deep Space sure. Nine or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, um, Sold. You'd be out sold. of the job, Chuck. Dude, it would be a, I, I don't know. Would I? I mean, there could be chaplains. <laughs> You'd be on the, the chaplain yeah, of the Enterprise. Yeah, the chaplain <laughs> of the Enterprise. It'd be sweet. One comic book, by the way, Marvel comic book that has an Enterprise chaplain in it. But, um, I, um, um, but yeah, I uh, th- yeah no, I, you know, do I? I don't know. I don't know if I, I guess the answer is I really don't know. Like I'd like to believe. Like I'll be like Mulder. I want to believe, mm-hmm. um, because I think it would be neat. Um, to me, the bigger question is, you know, does it affect anything for me if they do or do not exist? And it doesn't change anything for no. me if they do or do not. No, exist. I agree but, on that absolutely. Like I said, I'd love to be proven wrong someday. Universe is huge and it's yeah. expanding. So like it's getting bigger. Yeah, so well, I love and, to believe. That. Well, speak in speaking to that. I mean, like, you know, it's such a, it's such an amazing thing to think. Like on one hand, like to think that the, the universe is populated with other beings. That's pretty awesome. That's a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. But then it's also kind of amazing to think that if the universe is just us, like how amazing is right. it? How unique we are created, and no. like how like you know, that yeah. we're it. And actually this has become like a, a thing I've used in sermons a few times is to say that like, you know, we've, we've sent probes all over this, all over. We've, you know, turned the Hubble space telescope everywhere. And so far all of the work that we've done, we've, we've sort of just proven that we're it. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of, when we grab that perspective and we really think about the fact that, that we're it in the universe, to me, that changes everything. And then like a lot of our petty, stupid things, like the fact that we continue to put all of our money into oil rather than alternative energy sources. And we watch this planet falling apart because we have to have big gas guzzling vehicles and because we have to have um, oil magnates who don't want to change or innovate um, because they're worried about losing money, like as though like we have somewhere else we can go. Like that just in like war and all of that, to me, it just, it becomes silly with that kind of perspective. If we're it, if we're it, then we ought to be doing more to work together to, um, to take care of the world around us, to take care of each other, because there's nowhere else for us to go. It's not like we can like one day, like, it's not like, we, like, like interstellar, we can like build a spaceship out of concrete, which by the way is weird. They built a spaceship out of concrete in that movie and <laughs> can like anti-gravity it to like Titan or whatever. Um, like we're it, we can't escape this. And no. if we, if this planet, if, if the human race dies, then like all of intelligent life in the universe dies. Uh, well, and to and to to dive into the the theology and Bible side of everything, it's it's the story of creation talks about how uh, God brings the universe into existence, and there's the spiritual world that we get a glimpse of with angels and and God and Lucifer getting cast out of heaven, and then he begins creating things, and it starts with the physical world, and it starts simple. There's light and dark. There's plants. It becomes a little more complex. There's the land and the sea, and then there's plants and animals. Every step it takes moves toward complexity, and then it reaches this kind of climax in creation. I don't mean this as a, oh, go for us kind of a thing, but there's human beings that are physical creation that God then breathes life into. So now we are physical and we're spirit. And the Bible says that we are the only thing that exists within these two. 
that there's the spiritual world, there's the physical world, and then there's mankind that God created kind of in the middle. Um, and it's not this, like, like I said, that's not to pat us on the back and say, look how special we are, but to look at how God placed this unique position upon us and placed us in the middle of creation and then tells us, he places mankind in a garden in the story of Genesis and tells them to care and order it. Um, so we're supposed to be taking care of everything else. We're supposed to be ordering creation in a way where everybody benefits, everybody's taken care of. Um, there's not people in need because we're, we're dividing the things up the way it should be. We shouldn't be pursuing oil at the expense of nature. We should be finding the balance. Um, but it is. To me, the story of Genesis makes it in such a way that, that we are uniquely placed in this universe and like I said, it makes it sound like I'm giving us some kind of special, special worth. I don't think that's it other than it's entirely the worth placed upon us. By yeah, the, the responsibility creator. we're right. getting. Yeah. But, um, and that does make us unique in the, in the sense of creation. But, um, but I think that to me is probably the biggest thing I would go for, for why from a theological point of view, I wouldn't believe in aliens because we are kind of the point to why hmm. he created it was these relational beings that then screw it up. And then despite everything that would make sense to us as beings, God chooses to provide a way for us to still have a relationship with him. Despite the fact that we're not worth it, it says that it, it speaks specifically of Israel, but I think it talks to all of us. It says that he, cho he chooses to place his affections upon us. Like we have worth and we have purpose because God chooses to place that upon us. There's no reason for him to do it. There's no need for it, but he chooses to. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in the story of creation and the way that that, that pans out, that the creator made us, um, that would be probably my biggest, coming from a biblical theological argument, my biggest reason for why I'd say, well, there's not intelligent life in the sense of like us. Meaning, like, if you found animals on another planet, that, to me, isn't even the same discussion. Right. That's like finding a new fish in the bottom of the mm -hmm. ocean. But if you found beings that are like us, that think and communicate and are self-aware, um, that would be a different discussion. And I don't think it'll happen because I feel like coming from my view of what Scripture is talking about, mankind has been given this kind of oddly, oddly unique role of unbelievable responsibility that like, hey, I gave you all of this and you're supposed to take care of it. And I did it all so that we could have this relationship together. Um, and we squander that and we, we abuse it and we torment creation when we shouldn't. But And yet he said, I'm still going to provide a way. Um, I think it all goes back to his glory and his awesomeness. Um, but... To me is also, if you want a theological, Matt's theological understanding of why I don't believe in intelligent life is just what I see in the creation narrative. Mm -hmm. um, is mankind has this oddly unique role of being kind of the in-between between the physical and the spiritual. And then God, obviously, was even the perfect representation of that when he became incarnate and became Christ. Like, he even personified and perfected that relationship. So we don't even have the the audacity to claim we're the best example of what it means to be human in spirit because God did that. Um, so glory, 
isn't ours. But if that makes any sense, that would be my yeah. theological argument for why I don't see how there's life on other planets. Yeah, I think that you're, you're, you're launching intelligent into something. life. Yeah, I think you're launching into something that would make a really cool just podcast on its own to talk about because I think you and I have listening to you. I know that I have different views on the role of humanity. Right. And all of that in creation and, and, and all of that. So I think that would be a we could have a good we have a we should do a be. podcast on like Jesus and salvation. That'd be cool. Like, yeah. I don't know like how we would like if we'd use a movie to launch into that. Saved. Saved. <laughs> oh, That's a good uh, movie. Alamo Draft House has a viewing of that coming up that I'm really oh, um, nice. jealous that I can't be at Birth Movies Death. Just announced that for five dollars you can oh. be saved. Hey, you're um, like you're close, right? Go. Go. Yes, go, go. JP. <laughs> See it for us all, please. Um, speaking of you, JP, you know, we've talked on. How, what about you? Do you believe in aliens? Um, I'm just going to put it bluntly, no, I don't. No? Okay. Not at all. I don't think there is any intelligent life whatsoever on the vast universe. I have a hard time finding um, it, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because I think that our existence as human beings, as mankind in itself, is a miracle. Yeah. You know, I've 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 read and watched and listened a lot about uh, you know the theory of evolution, and the way it's sort of put forth is that like the way things came together, and for us to get from like you know the void that that what the universe was before the Big Bang to the three of us here talking now is a miracle. Like we can't even fathom like how out of nowhere. That is, you know, yeah. and to think that there are other civilizations that are just like us, you know, and, and, I've, and I've heard people say like there, there's, you know, I've read a lot of articles about like the possibility of other planets like ours that exist, even if they did, the possibility of them having humans like us is like, I mean, there, there's no way. Right. You know, yeah. The, the, the existence of a lizard is a miracle to me. Like the existence of a tree is a miracle to me. You know, and it, when you think about like the entirety of like the the grand timeline of things, you know, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about this in Cosmos, where he kind of puts it like on a calendar. When you kind of put our existence on this planet, and I'm talking like just the entirety of human existence, we put our existence on this planet compared to like the rest of time. It's like at the very end of the year on like the very last second of that year. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's hard for me to fathom. I think it would be the world's greatest coincidence if it happened or mm-hmm. just another miracle. <laughs> it would have to be a miracle that another, uh, the other intelligent life form like that resemble us, you know, humanoid would exist. Um, do I believe like, you know, bacteria and stuff like you were saying, Chuck? Oh yeah, Totally. I don't think it's any different than finding a, a tree on a mountain or a new fish yeah. right. at the bottom of the South China Sea. Um, but no, I, I can't say that I do. Um, however, uh, there's been some really cool advances in, in technology and science and you know, finding the, the quote, I don't like calling it this, uh, the, the, the God particle. Uh, a lot of people are saying that that's sort of, an, it's sort of a sign that alternate um, – dimensions exist I think that's probably more plausible to define intelligent um, life 
in an alternate universe than there is in our known universe. Does that make any sense? I don't really know. I can't grasp the science. I'm going to say A, because it's new, and B, because I'm not a scientist in the least bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, who's that Japanese scientist, a Japanese physicist? That, I forgot his name. Do you know what I'm talking about, Chuck? Well, he um, reads Japanese theology, not science. <laughs> He's, he, he, he was one of the guys that was actually spearheading the project for the Higgs boson particle when they discovered it. Um, um, yeah, I know, I, know, I know who you're talking about. He's gone into detail about the existence of like an alternate universe because of this, this discovery, which I think, is, I think is more exciting. But then again, I was a Sliders fan in high school. I was yeah. totally going to say that. You just want it. You want Sliders. We want Star Trek. You want Sliders. I do that's, want Sliders. That's what it comes down to. And on that note. <laughs> yeah. We've probably um, gone way over time, haven't we? We have, but it's, it's okay. You know, we've got uh, unlimited space now in our SoundCloud. So we yeah, that's true. Roll. That's and true. people like listening to us, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised, actually, um, just a complete side note, as I've I did not listen to podcasts until we started making this. So right. now I started listening to podcasts and starting to find out how many of them are like an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. Oh, they go long, dude. A lot of them yeah. go really long. So we're going for an hour and a half on this yeah, one. Yeah, I guess we're doing another – are we doing another double yeah. episode with this? Devin Faraci and the Cannons got nothing on us. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really, really want our listeners to start interacting with us on the internet. Yes, like, please. I really want that. Me too. Let, let, me, let me ask our listeners. Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe that there is life out there? Do you believe that it's possible – to travel to different distant galaxies or universes or alternate dimensions, maybe even time travel. What are your beliefs and things that are a bit more X Files y? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us on the, <laughs> the Masters of Divinity Facebook page. Yes, the, please check us out or the, on our Facebook or the, page. Or the, or, the, or the blog. Or the blog at themastersofdivinity.com or on Twitter at MOD underscore podcast. Yep. Yep. Or you can email us at mastersofdivinitypodcast at gmail.com. Who's monitoring our, our I think emails? I got all our plugs in. We all are. I check it. We all check it. Yeah, I don't it's on it. my phone. Email us. I will get it instantly. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. as a listener, write to us. I, I will, will say, write you back immediately. I will say Matt has, been, Matt has been really on top of things with a lot of our internet communique, especially fighting with those, fighting with our... Batman vs Superman or Batman vs Superman? <laughs> Man, I wasn't DC fighting. Fan. Oh, you were fighting. I you inspired fighting. a heated discussion I mean, on the Facebook. There page. were three people on my side and one on Father Chuck's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Read our reviews about Batman vs Superman on the uh, Facebook page uh, or the my, website. Mine will be released very soon. Speaking, yeah, of we're that. waiting for JP's. We're as excited to read his as you should be. <laughs> and JP is doing an amazing job of sort of forwarding all this stuff that we put on the yes, website to our you, Facebook page. He writes all look, those little like blurbs. Yes, when you look on our Facebook page, the little blurbs before all of our articles, those come from JP, and they are a masterful sign of literary genius in my opinion. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, and, and I'm just going to take a moment to, I told you this, I think, before, JP, but I will, I will, I will say this every time. Um, you are one of the funniest writers I've ever read. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. Your, your timing and, and everything is just beautiful. Your literary um, timing. Your I like literary that. timing, Literary yeah. timing. JP, JP frequently makes me <laughs> like, have... howl with laughter. And in a way, I kind of wish sometimes people could see our private conversations. Yeah, I'm glad they don't. Um, <laughs> but it's... Like the one we will edit out at the beginning of the first 15 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, JP, JP is a... Yeah, so I, I'm just going to go on the record and say I'm very, I'm very proud of what we're doing here. Yeah, I, um, and I, I'm leaving that bit in for my own ego. So yeah. do it. Yeah, on the computer screen, his head literally got bigger as I watched. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it's enormous. But no, um, JP. We learned tonight that JP has perfect comedic timing in written form. 
It is. That's impressive. It does. It's, it's true. impressive. It is. I don't know it's true. timing correlates to <laughs> liter- literature. But... It does now. Do you okay, okay, okay. That's fine. Yeah, sure. Read your, read I, your I, own I, yeah, I appreciate can I, the compliment. Can I just share the moment I realized I, I realized how good JP was at this was um, I was in seminary. It was um, it was like 2009, something like that. And Facebook, you know, every now and then, they, they don't do it this much anymore. But back in the day, like there was a time where like Facebook used to have like these theme days where like someone somewhere would create this idea and it would go like mimetic. And like people would, you know, so you like, like there'd be like, today is the day that you're going to like, you're going to change your avatar photo to like your oh, favorite okay. cartoon. Yeah, I remember that. Or whatever. And um, they did one one time where it was um, your celebrity lookalike. And I remember, like, me and, like, all of my friends who were doing this, like, we went, like, really serious. Like, I, 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 we, like, looked for people that looked like us. I think I probably put, like, Ryan Reynolds because I've been told that I looked like Ryan Reynolds at one point, um, which was several pounds ago. But, um, but I, I'll never forget, JP posted a photo of Fabio and uh, on his on – his, he changed his avatar photo to Fabio and I about fell out of my chair laughing. And I was like, this guy gets it. Like, this guy is, like, he's having fun with this concept. <laughs> and it was it was brilliant and amazing, and it was when I realized I was taking this crap way too seriously, and that's when I started realizing JP is a master at internet humor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and timing and all of that. So and the proper placement of punctuation, you're like that one, your, your punctuation is what causes your comedic timing and timing and writing. His punctuation is very good. It does, well, I, yes, it does. The properly placed period, I can I can see you saying it, and, it, and it's, <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. It, it, it's important. Uh, I do that to honor my, my English teacher. So, you know. Uh, well, great. Uh, Matt, Father Chuck, thank you so much for your thoughts uh, and for everything you said. Um, I think we had a wonderful episode, a wonderful topic that uh, I really enjoyed and I really hope our listeners enjoyed. And, you know, we're not kidding. Please interact with us. You know, post on our Facebook. Um, we, Matt told you our Twitter handle, our, our, our email address. Uh, if you want something, if you want to say something to us, have a question for us, maybe you want us to address on a future episode, uh, shoot us an email. Awesome. And we'll consider it. Totally. Uh, no one else is emailing us, so it'll definitely be read. <laughs> and subscribe on iTunes. Bump us up the charts. Yes. subscribe. Keep subscribing. Keep reviewing. Keep rating. We've got a couple reviews on there, which makes me very happy. Yeah. yeah. So that, uh, that helps us out a lot, actually. It kind of expands our viewership. We would love that from you guys and can so. i te- and can i tease something really quick go ahead um there's uh, it's not guaranteed um but it's it almost guaranteed that next time we do this we will have our first guest okay i'm gonna keep it That's secret amazing. okay we'll have our uh, first guest i'm excited yeah excited it's gonna be a good time yeah i mean i'm i you know i'm not gonna say that it's robert downey jr <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna say that we're not but, gonna say that but no no, but, but it might we're be. not saying that it's not. Robert he Downing. he has a, a movie coming out that needs to be plugged. I think. Yes, if Robert so. Downing Jr. is listening, please be our guest on next <laughs> God, I would. I don't know what I would do if Robert Downing Jr. was listening. I'd cry. I'd, I'd cry. We'll, I'd we'll, we'll, we'll cry. post the Civil War trailer for you for promotion. If that. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, that is the end of our show. Uh, this is JP saying thank you, thank you, Matt, thank you, Father Chuck. Um, Have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Bye.